This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Jouar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Jouar, and today is Tuesday, August 7th, 2018. My guest is no other than Rose Behar. Hi, Rose. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes. So, Rose, what, what you used to be at Mobile Syrup. What was your role there? Uh, I was news and telecom editor until very recently, and now I am headed uh, down south to the dark side, to the United States. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm really excited about coming down, and I'll be doing more tech writing there as well, but I can't say just yet where I'll be writing. So in case you don't know, Rose is from Canada, and I'm also a Canadian citizen who, you know, moved to the U.S. a long time ago and is also an American citizen. So that's what we're talking about here when we're saying moving south. (laughs) Um, I'm already south. I'm in California in San Francisco right now. Um, You said something interesting. Telecom means you have a good understanding of what's going on with the carriers. And, uh, you know, so it's not just about phones today. It's about networks. And uh, we want to talk about 5G a little more. Uh, last week was the Moto Z3 and 5G mod launch in Chicago. I covered that extensively. My last podcast was David Kogan. And I want to talk a little bit more about the future of 5G, the devices, the networks, the rollouts, and your, a little bit about your take on what we saw last week, which seemed more like a marketing grab to me um, and, and all that. And then, you know, we need to talk about something sweet and delicious, correct? That's right, Android Pie. Yes, it's finally called Android Pie. We know it now. If you don't like it, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I don't like is that terrible artwork that they put out with it. That was exceptionally bad. Yeah, well, that's usually pretty bad with them. <laughs> and I think you're right that they, that they went overboard in bad this time. <laughs> So uh, what is your take on the news? You weren't in, in Chicago with us, but you saw the news. I, I did meet uh, Samir, your colleague, your ex-colleague there, yes. uh, which was lovely because I'd never met him in person. He's a great um, guy. Yeah, he's really nice. Uh, and we made lots of Canadian jokes together. It was great. Um, so uh, what is your take on what, um, like, so really, to be clear, it was a Moto Qualcomm and Verizon show, right? Totally. Yeah. Um, I, the thing about it is I love Moto devices. I'm such a big fan of their uh, very minimal Android skin and the great build quality. And I'm looking at this phone and thinking, you know, this is actually going to be a really nice device. It's just too bad that it's kind of um, you know, that it has the spec limitations of having an older chipset, which is still a great chipset. And it's sort of, a weird position in the market, I guess. Um, really yeah. what it is, it, it does seem like it's just a way for Verizon to be first in 5G and a way for Moto perhaps to be first in 5G. So I hope that it does give them something as a company. But, you know, I, as you've said in your previous podcast, I mean, as a consumer, I'm not sure why you'd really be interested in that. It's a tough sell. I think that the the it feels like a marketing exercise. A, a, a you know, a, for them to be able to say for, for all of them to be able to say we were first, right? A Qualcomm, we were the first chipset used for five G, and and Moto, we were the first company to make a five G device, and 
uh, that's mobile, right? And then for for uh, Verizon, we were the first 5G network in the US. And really, it's all a lie because it's not happening till next year. So, Right. Uh, and even in next year, it's going to be very early days. And it's still probably going to be mostly industrial or mostly fixed wireless, which is using wireless as kind of an internet substitute at home. It's going to be more of that sort of stuff than actual consumer grade 5G. Absolutely. And what, but they're talking about using millimeter wave for mobile. And that's the focus of this 5G mod. Mm. It's not sub six. I mean, it does have a two modems as an X50 5G modem that's theoretically capable of sub six um, non-millimeter wave uh, 5G. And it has an X24 modem, which is a two megabits per second LTE advanced modem. Uh, and when you slap that thing on the back of your phone, uh, of your Moto Z f- compatible phone, which right now is the only one we know of is the Z3 that was announced at the same time, uh, it will disable or, you know, basically uh, disconnect the internal LT radio from the Snapdragon 835 and take over from there, either in 5G millimeter or 4G LT advanced. There's no talk of supporting um sub six on this device even though i'm sure it physically can do it because i don't think verizon even has spectrum acquired for sub six right now um i don't even know what spectrum they have for millimeter i know it's 28 (laughs) gigahertz because they told us it was 28 gigahertz um so it's very puzzling and all that might be answered before and or around the time this thing actually is up available to purchase the other big question is how much is this mod going to cost and if it's uh you know from what we hear there is a sim card on board but it's not user accessible it's not an e-sim that's soldered in and can be programmed it's a sim card that has been installed in the device but you have to take the device apart to get it out so it's pretty much dedicated to to verizon and and it makes sense because you know in the early days of 4g phones could only support like very few bands now they support multi-band right and you but they uh, they probably optimize this thing to support whatever bands verizon has uh has access to and 28 gigahertz millimeter is one of them but millimeter wave really only going to work on line of sight so it's not going to work indoors so it's going to fall back on 4g LTE advanced indoor so i mean it's really full of puzzling questions uh i think they're going to sell it subsidized completely i don't think you'll be able to buy it full price i think it's just going to be probably cost like 400 dollars unsubsidized and you you don't want to spend that kind of money on top of a phone so it's probably just going to be like as part of your 5g service you pay a fee and it kind of comes with it right i think that probably makes sense and i think like what you're saying about the questions surrounding the spectrum and everything i mean is those are all really good questions. I think that Verizon is a little bit sort of trading off of people's ignorance about 5G and in a way with this ploy. Yeah, to be first, that's true. It's kind of an interesting approach, quite if you think about it. Um, but here's the other thing. The other thing is the phone is puzzling. Like, So the 5G mod is a little puzzling because there's no accessible SIM. We don't know the bands. We're not, we're, it doesn't look like there's sub-6, even though the hardware supports it. We don't know pricing, all that stuff we just talked about. But the phone is puzzling too because, as I mentioned in the podcast last week, it's more like a Moto Z2, right? If you think about it, it's they took the display from the Moto Z3 Play they took the processor and camera from the Moto Z2 Force last year and they mated them together. And 
So to me, it's closer to a Z2 than a Z3. And it's weird to launch a phone with Snapdragon 835 at the top of the ladder for, for Moto. They don't have a flagship right now, if you think about it. In terms, they don't have yeah. an 845 phone. It might be coming. There's that Android 1, sorry, that Moto 1 rumor, right? Right. Uh, maybe that'll be the flagship and it won't be a mod-compatible phone. But right now, this phone is really puzzling. It's also a Verizon exclusive. You won't see it in Canada or in any other carriers. And, and it's $480, which is very aggressively priced, even for a Snapdragon 835 device. Um, so for that, it's great. But the camera is going to be crap because it was crap on, the, on last year's uh, Z2 Force, right? Oh, yeah. So, I never got to play with that one. But I, I remember, I mean, so generally, bad. was it really bad? Really? Yeah. I and mean, what the stabilization? It's, it's not just that. It was, okay. It wasn't bad, first of all, because technically it was very hard to find a phone with a bad camera these days. But I mean, compared to the flagships of its time, it was definitely in the lower tier okay. in terms of imaging. It was worse, in my opinion, than the OnePlus 5, <laughs> which we know wasn't great last year in terms of imaging. Yes. And based on the specs of that imaging system, it felt it fell flat it didn't have ois it still doesn't have ois and that's a big problem right that was also a big problem with the 5 and the yeah. 5t but i think that uh, at that price point you know you can get it's hard it's hard selling even today because you can get you can get a one plus six for 530 us dollars that has ois on the camera and actually has a really well sorted camera this year that's not at the highest tier but definitely competitive unlike all the previous one pluses uh, except for maybe the three and three T, which weren't too bad for their time, yeah. and 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 so this camera is going to be meh, and the processor is meh, and it's at least it's affordable at four eighty, but it's not really that affordable when you think about it. When you can get something like an Honor ten or, or one plus six, and and again, of course, those don't work on Verizon, so you know you're that is true. <laughs> so of course, there's that. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, you're buying a phone with last year's processor. You're getting a good deal. The camera might improve, improve because maybe it was just software. So I haven't. I have one. I haven't really used the camera yet very much, to be honest. I haven't been very enthusiastic about using that phone. So I have. If I had it for a week, but I haven't really used the camera much. So I have no verdict. Um, but so far, I'm not seeing any difference uh, between that and last year's Z2 Force. So I don't know what to think of this phone. Um, it's weird that Moto doesn't have a flagship. It's weird that if you want a Moto phone technically for another network than Verizon, you need to buy the Z3 Play, which is more expensive, yet less respect, but comes with a mod, a battery mod. The battery mod can't be more than $50, though, so I don't get it. I don't get it. I know. I can't say that I get it either. But I mean, it seems like it's more about the relationships between all of these three companies than it is actually a, a veritable, you know, way of putting out a phone for real chance at consumers picking it up. It's bragging rights, yeah. Rose. It's bragging rights. Um, I want to hear what you think of the 5G timelines in terms of carriers and devices and where we're headed like you've been quite on top of the carrier situation in canada in particular so i'm curious to see what you think qualcomm has really been pushing hard with us media inviting us to a lot of events educating us about 5g a lot in the last couple of years 
Um, and it's helped, right? Like we have a better yeah, understanding, I think. But it feels like the Qualcomm show to me, which I don't <laughs> mind because they're one of the lovely people. Um, they're a pretty awesome company. But you know, you know, Huawei is doing some cool stuff in five G and others too. So beyond right. the Qualcomm Pony Show, dog and pony show, what do you what do you think is going on? What what do you think are reasonable timelines for five G rollouts here? Well, and that's so interesting too, even just like, I, we probably won't get into it, the whole political backdrop between Qualcomm versus Fi oh, yeah. uh, Huawei. But I mean, obviously <laughs> there's just, it is so important. Now, what you can tell from all of the like political controversy is that 5G is really important. And of course, 4G was really important, right? It changed the way that uh, world economies worked. It People who were the countries who were ahead on 4G LTE um, technology uh, then drew ahead in many different industries. So, like, it's so important. Um, so now when it comes to 5G, there's, there's this huge arms race kind of uh, between all the different carriers. In the U.S., uh, carriers have been way more aggressive uh, than in Canada. So obviously we have Verizon and I think AT&T as well is saying yeah. by the end of this year that they're going to have certain deployments of 5G. And, um, and in Canada, we actually are our big three carriers, which are TELUS, Rogers and Bell. Um, we have a little thing called an oligopoly. So nobody has given super specific timelines. Um, you know, by that, I'm just sort of saying there's a little bit less competition here. Um, and we have a suggestion that from TELUS, at least, that they're going to deploy in 2020. And that a lot of that is also coming down to when we're getting the spectrum. So spectrum auctions right. happen in all these different countries. The countries that are, are faster to auction off these uh, bands uh, that are going to be part of 5G, are going to be integral to 5G, they're the ones that are going to uh, come to market faster. And, and Canada has traditionally sort of lagged behind on that. And we're not predicting to get many, uh, you know, much of the 5G uh, spectrum that carriers want until 2020 uh, and, wow. and, and later as well. So. Yeah, U.S. is definitely pulling ahead, and so is South Korea and a number of other uh, countries. But Canada, though it could compete on research, is not really competing on the actual the, the deployment, uh, both from a competitive standpoint and like an auctioning of spectrum standpoint. So that's kind of, that's a, those are the basics of what we're like looking for. Um, but, but that is, you know, still there's a lot of different variables that go into it. And so I thought maybe it'd be interesting as well to look at like realities versus what these companies are telling us to expect. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like uh, Verizon and AT&T are certainly going to be doing something. I believe Verizon actually rolled out broadband over 5G millimeter in some markets already. Yeah. Like for home use. It's, it's out there. Some people are using it. Um, and to them, it's just no different than getting a cable box, right? Or, uh, or a fiber connection or whatever. It's, it's not, they're, they're not seeing it as a mobile experience, right? No, they're not. I've, I'm actually, I'm in rural New Brunswick right now. I'm using fixed wireless at this very moment to Skype with you. And, um, as a kid, I never would have realized that it was different situation, but, but the whole 5G and fixed wireless thing, which means you're getting internet through the towers rather than in cables running to your home, 
um, it's it's actually gonna it's really kicked off a major new market in Canada. We used to have just a few different types of uh, companies who would offer these fixed wireless internet services to really rural people. And now Bell and TELUS are getting into the game as well with 5G and TELUS is already testing out 5G for fixed wireless too. So that's kind of exciting in the way that it could uh, actually benefit rural Canadians in a way that other past wireless technologies have often left them out. Yeah, yeah. I know this is really critical and we need that so bad in so many parts of the US right now that are underserved. It's uh, much, I think it's in many ways much worse here. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I know for sure. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, beyond AT&T and Verizon, I think T-Mobile's also been very keen on getting 5G out there. Um, and, you know, they've been optimizing the network for 5G rollout for a while. I think they're much more gung-ho about sub-6. Um, I mean, eventually everybody's going to have to have sub-6 and millimeter, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the only way. So we're, we're going to see how that goes. But I don't anticipate, like, so Verizon 2019, but it's going to be very limited. There's only three markets right now, Sacramento, Houston, and I'm blanking on the third. Uh, there's a third. Uh, maybe New York? Uh, and, and so it's, um, it's not going to be and, and millimeter, right? I mean, it's going to be outdoors only line of sight only good luck. Yeah. <laughs> good luck getting that five gigahertz, uh, <laughs> five gigabit per second transfer boys and girls. It's certainly not going to happen at the airport. Like the use case they were giving us, which was like, you're at the airport, you're about to board your flight to China. You realize you need four game episodes of game of throne. You've already boarded and you can't get them. What do you do? You're taxiing. That's pretty not funny. Not happening with millimeter. Not <laughs> happening with millimeter. Like happening with sub six, yeah, but not millimeter. Jeez. So that's the that's a really interesting aspect because millimeter wave is the way that they f will facilitate these multi gigabit per second speeds that they're promising right? eventually. Um, but millimeter wave, as we know, is still extremely tricky. It's very high frequency. And like you said, has to be line of sight. Like it even leaves on a tree will disrupt it. Even humidity will disrupt it. So um, that's why people are thinking, first of all, it's got to be so, sort of small cell deployments in urban areas. Um, and and additionally, it's it's important to know that not all 5G will be millimeter wave. So you will see improved speeds when the deployments start coming out in 2019 and 2020, but those speeds are probably going to be more hundreds of megabits per second, not gigabytes per second. Um, so, you know, it's, it's going to be great, but at the same time, that's pretty close to what we already have with LTE Advanced. So it's really just going to be more of a gradual ramp up. It's not going to be like, the next day you wake up and you see that all of a sudden you're, you're able to stream with like six gigabit per second uh, rate. So it, I mean, that's yeah. top speed anyway. I think it's five or something. Exactly, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, the, the reality though, is I think that uh, the difference between 4G and 5G, it will be that where you normally now get tens of megabits per second and you average everyday life with two or three bars of signal, you will now be getting hundreds of megabits per second. That's right. Like yeah. ideally, so that's a big multiplier. It's like a, a factor of five to 10 times. Um, and honestly, that's going to change things for us. But I think that 
For me, I'm going to be excited, and I don't think it's going to happen before 2020, when we get sub-6 on a carrier in the US. Um, and then on top of that, when we start getting millimeter wave in addition to sub-6, that's going to be when we hit the holy grail for 5G in deployment. Whoever does that first, kudos. It might be Verizon. They're starting with millimeter, though, which I think is the wrong, the wrong way around. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... <laughs> But I think that that being said, you know, somebody's got to do it. So 2019, at least for the U.S. for millimeter, mobile millimeter, um, very ineffective, very partial implementation. Um, but it's something. And the device so far is basically this 5G mod. And we'll see some 5G modems, I'm sure, like dedicated USB or MiFi type devices. That makes a lot of sense to me much more sense than a dedicated phone at this point. Yeah. But which brings us to the question is, if the others roll out, say, in 2020, 2021, right, for sub-6 and whatever, mm -hmm. um, do the will the phones by then be able, will the technology have improved from Qualcomm, Huawei, whoever makes the radios and the antenna systems, have improved significantly beyond the 5G mod, which, as you know, is the thickness of a regular phone today like six millimeters so or so, right? Right. And packed with chips, antennas, and a 2,000 milliamp hour battery. So will we be able to add all this, distill it down to maybe less chips and, and we can remove the battery and maybe make the main battery bigger in the phone to have this in a phone that's still thin and that's bezel-less? Because remember, bezel-less is where we're going, yet for sub six, we need an antenna array in the front of the phone. We need an antenna array in the back. We need an antenna array on the side so that there's always one antenna that has line of sight. That's what the mod does. That's why the mod has a fin because that's the front-facing antenna. So will the phones have a fin? Will the phones have a bezel again because of the antenna facing in the forward? Or will they be able to put the antenna in the display somehow? So many questions. So many questions. Yeah, I don't think the form factor is there yet at all. Because one of the one of the major things that, as you were kind of pointing to for five G, is um, massive MIMO. I like having. Then you need multiple antennas for input and output at the same time. So it actually just requires a ton of antennas, a ton more antennas. antennas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so we're definitely. I think the couple couple design things that, like you were saying. Um, that is going to be difficult with bezels. We are still going to definitely be looking at uh, glass back and a lot of glass uh, design to facilitate that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's difficult to say when people will actually be ready to ship a phone that looks like what we're used to now. I feel like with 4G and LTE, uh, over the past several years, people have been complaining about how phones haven't, you know, change their design very much but you know we have seen these little refinements every single year that's made it more and more elegant are we going to have to move away from that elegance when we when we People hop over to 5g to. yeah nobody wants to so i'm calling it now um huawei or no, not huawei oppo or vivo will make a 5g phone with an antenna that is retractable <laughs> that electrically pops out it slides up when you need like when it needs millimeter wave it goes like that would be amazing 
it wouldn't it be the coolest thing ever? <laughs> you know it would. Like you're using the phone, all of a sudden, bzz, the little thing comes out. I need some 5G now. And it could work because you know? everything from it the could. 80s, 90s is cool again. So antenna totally. could be just like a cool, ironic look. You know, like in cars, when cars had electric antennas that would go up. Yeah. And, bzz, <laughs> and then FM and when you turn off the radio, the antenna would go back down. It is like that. It's 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 coming back. We're calling it now. Rose and I are telling you folks, somebody's going to make that phone. Oh man, that'll be so great. I feel like what we'll really end up seeing is just uh, a lot of phablets. Yeah, exactly. I kind of want to see hope that somebody's listening to this podcast and they're now going to make a phone like that. I us. hope so. Kickstart Come it. Come on, folks. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm thinking one of the big guys. Um, oh, but yeah. um, speaking of, I think so. Here's a company that I think is the best equipped to make a phone today um, because it's all in-house and that would be Huawei. See, that's a really good point. Um, but you guys in the US would yeah, not have never, access. It's never going to happen. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm not, that doesn't matter. My point is I'm, I still have a P20 Pro and it's, you know, it's working. So, I mean, of course you're not going to be buying in the US or whatever, <laughs> but then maybe it'll be illegal to own in the US too. Yeah, that would um, be something. With the way the regime is, 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 is evolving here. But I think at the same time, uh, I hope not. But at the same time, in terms of like, let's not forget about the US and Canada for a second. Globally speaking, the, to me, the one, the company that has the first chance of making a, a highly tightly integrated 5G phone is Huawei. Yeah, um, I think you're absolutely right. And, I, and they've made a lot of the advancements. Like Qualcomm has been one of the most prolific for sure in terms of pushing ahead a lot of uh, 5G patents and and doing a lot of work in the space, but Huawei has really been right up there. Um, and, it, you know, China as well, generally, it's been a major contributor to China being one of the first in, in the 5G race. So I think we could definitely see that. And with their designs, I, I always tend to love the design of Huawei devices. Um, I'm too. sure they'd find some, some solution that wasn't too, uh, wasn't too big and bulky, but... You know, I think you're right, probably right about that. I think they're they're going to they have the the ability on both sides to produce that. Yeah. Um, the other thing is um, beyond Huawei, I think Qual somebody with somebody that works with Qualcomm is the second big likely device manufacturer to launch something that's integrated with five G. And in my book, that would actually probably be moto simply because That's moto has thinking. been trying to be first in every g technology since the beginning uh so they had the first f f f 1g phone right um <laughs> potentially i think radio telephones it's kind of hard to tell who had the first radio telephone because the russians had a system the europeans especially the kenyan countries had a system yeah but americans I, had a system i know what you mean 2g the though dynatac something the dynatac 8000x right. yeah that yeah that was the first technically right yep. 2g is is basically gsm and cdma non-data uh and that existed um I would say the first where definitely the Europeans was GSM, but technically one of the very first was the StarTac, right? So um, let's see. Then there's 3G. Were they the first at that? Maybe. Definitely they were one of the first at 4G, although technically the first 4G phone in the US was the HTC 
uh, what was it again? Oh man, that thing was terrible. Oh, <laughs> I don't completely remember. Completely blanking on it. Uh, it was an HTC phone, Thunderbolt, the Thunderbolt okay. on Horizon, and it had Qualcomm chips. And the thing had a two hour battery life on 4G. I'm not kidding. You. <laughs> right, which is something you brought up with the, you had an interview that I watched with the with a man from Motorola. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Jeff Snow, yeah. With I thought that was really interesting because he did look quite, you know, he was quite stressed. You were asking all the tough questions. <laughs> I and <know>. I, I, <laughs> that's how I go. And so, yeah, he wasn't, but he, he said that, well, there'd be a lot of efficiencies with, uh, with 5G um, that weren't, you know, the same with 4G LTE. It'll be different. So the battery drain won't be as bad. But then, of course, they do have, what, like a 2,000 milliampere battery in that mod. So I'm not sure that's totally reassuring. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's only there for 5G. Yeah. I think it's going to draw a little more for sure. Yeah. I, honestly, I f the feeling I got talking to Jeff was that they're trying to alleviate the issues we had with the Thunderbolt, right? They want us to be able to use 5G and have a phone that doesn't die instantly. So putting 2,000 milliampere more in there, why not, right? Right. Sounds fair. Sounds, sounds reasonable. Mm -hmm. Sounds legit. It um, does, yeah. Jeff was lovely. I am very grateful that he was willing to talk to me and I asked him some tough questions. Uh, I'll link the video in the show notes if you haven't seen it yet. Um, that video was a bit weird because we're on the rooftop of the motor building. It was sunny out. Well, kind of sunny intermediate, inter like intermittently. And I was using my, my Sony NEX camera to film and it, I couldn't see the display <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't have a viewfinder because it was so bright. So I had no idea like, like you saw half the time he's not framed properly and he's zoomed in too much <laughs> because I couldn't tell what I was doing. Um, it was pretty bad, but I think the, I'm, uh, the content is interesting enough that it's, it catch, it makes up for the terrible videography. Oh, it's, what um, is it? Cinema Veritas? What is That's the style of it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I kind of, I'm always a big fan of tight portrait shots yeah, me too. that are not steady, like no tripods. Like I'm a big fan of like the, the, the office style, you know, like totally. the, the TV show, the office, yep. the office style for shooting. Uh, I wouldn't say I, I, I wouldn't go as far as Blair Witch project style. Cause that's really <laughs> intense, but, but I like the motion and some people hate it. That makes them motion sick. And I say, you know, honestly, this interview, you could just listen to it and you'd be fine. That's all also you really true. need to get out of it is to listen to it. Yeah. Trust me. The camera work is pretty bad. Um, and sorry about that, but that's life. You know, you only get one take and boom, there it is. Uh, sometimes I think I should do more video with my Pixel 2 XL because it's much better stabilized than my camera is, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. And, um, I know. I love that. I love the stabilization. If I don't stand too close, uh, close, I get I can I get a better chance to framing it properly, at least be able to reframe it in post. Anyway, yeah. uh, lesson learned. Um I don't even know why I'm carrying this 10-year-old NEX anymore. <laughs> it's good. I, I like it. it. I'm familiar with it. I know how to take photos with it. And I take some really good close-up photos with it. But for video, it's really not that great. So anyway, yeah, we'll figure it out. I prefer video with my mobile, whatever smartphone that I'm using, usually the Pixel 2 as well. It's just, yeah, for me, that's, that's easier. Yeah. So um, what do you think... Who, okay, if it's not Moto, who else would it be? Uh, if it's not Moto, I, I guess, you know, we could look at Samsung. Um, we could yes, look at Samsung because it does have a very close relationship with Qualcomm. And, and all the carriers. All the carriers. And it has its own foundries. Um, 
or foundry, I don't know whether it's pluralized, but um, they they also have, like Huawei, the, uh, they've been working, they have their own, they have their own chipsets, and um, they have a lot of knowledge in that area, so... I could see them, and I think also they they play a lot in their their marketing off of being you know some of the fastest phones. Uh, for instance, like they're always used in a, quite a lot of speed testing, um, speed testing yeah. tests. Like in in Canada, the big one done by PC Mag and Ookla, uh, they they always use Samsung phones, and that's kind of a point of pride for them. So I could see that being you know another company that could be first. And do it well, mind you, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm 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 gung ho. I'm looking forward to it. I want some give me some 5G for sure, but I'm not sure I'm willing to compromise all the lovely things about phones today. I mean, honestly, the the notch I know is an intermediate step and I'm I'm okay with it. I've accepted it. It's fine. Yeah, I'm okay with the um, notch. But but those slide those phones like the Apple Find uh, X and the the Vivo Next that have a slide out camera is pretty in that are bezel-less almost completely because of it is pretty cool. The Find X and is I gorgeous. Wanna, yeah, I want to talk about that a little more in a minute. But I'm trying to, um, and we're going to talk more about notches because we, we, there, there's been some crazy leaks on the, on the Pixel 3. That, and that notch is wow huge. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. uh, we will talk about that a little more. But um, to wrap up the 5G, um, what do you think is going to happen in terms of of pricing on this? I mean, every time a new generation comes out, the carriers are going to go out there and charge us more, right? Yeah. Um, so, definitely. do you think it's going to be another grab on the cons- on the cons- on the customer here of of a money grab on on ter- on part of the carriers? I think there's no doubt about that. Um, but the interesting point, my one interesting point, is that. Uh, in fact, what carriers don't often advertise is the fact that 5G does have a lot of efficiencies built in. And, uh, you know, after speaking to a few analysts, um, they've said that it'll probably cost a whole lot less to operate. Of course, the investment costs a lot, but the actual operation will be less costly. Um, and there's just, there's a lot of reasons for that with like different virtualization and um, and just, yeah, there's a more efficient system. Everybody who I've spoken to who's helped develop 5G has been very proud of the fact that um, it's been very efficiently and tidily done. And it has, uh, you know, it has a lot of, uh, there's, a, there's a lot to do with the actual like digitization and virtualization that will make it less expensive. Um, so there, there, that's the kind of thing, like that's behind the scenes. Um, when it comes to the actual pricing of, of plans and, uh, and also of devices with plans, we're already seeing the pricing going up on a consistent basis in, in Canada. I haven't watched the market as much, but the, that's already uh, sort of been excused by carriers as, oh, well, you know, we are working towards 5G. There's so much money we have to put into this. We do have to recoup our costs. And then when it yeah. comes to devices, again, I mean, we, we're all seeing that they're going far above $1,000, at least in Canadian dollars. And uh, carriers are now coming up with new ways of selling those very expensive devices um yeah new new ways of subsidizing them um mm-hmm. so i think yeah i think you're gonna see we're gonna see a, a raise in the rates 
Sadly, probably true. But hey, well, that's the price of progress or something <laughs> philosophical. <laughs> We're suckers. Uh. That's the reality, Rose. We can't wait for that sweet, sweet gigabit 5G. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'll um, be right there with everybody else. I'm, I'm really excited about it. <laughs> but, I know. Yeah, it's fun. Reality. So, um, great. That, I think we've, got, we've talked about, we've covered this well. I think definitely talking to you just now, with you just now, made me realize how much I hadn't really thought of these form factor issues for devices. And if you start thinking about it, it's going to be interesting, right? Uh, we're not, we might have to take a few steps back to go forward ultimately, right? So I know. It's strange to think. Or, or sort of, you know, these will, will take longer to come to market than we might think. That might be another element. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that kind of brings us on, before I get into Android P, the couple of things we hinted at earlier, the, uh, the Oppo Find X and the Pixel 3. I just want to say, and clearly you've, from your reaction, you've also must have played with one recently. I spent an afternoon with the Oppo Find X in Chicago, thanks to Michael Fisher, Mr. Mobile, who lent me his. He actually bought one. Wow. Um, and wow, what a <laughs> lovely piece of hardware that is. I was blown away. I actually didn't play with it, but I have watched videos, including yours, and it is surprising that it, it looks so much better than I thought it would. And Me too. Yeah, it doesn't look very gimmicky. It just looks really like smooth and It's premium as F. <laughs> Let me tell you, it feels so high quality in hand. That mechanism feels like it can last a million years. It's really well done. And and the thing is, you know, when initially uh, the the neck the Vivo Next came was was announced, then the uh, Oppo Find X a week later, and I talked about them on my podcast simultaneously. I don't remember who my guest was at the time, and I remember kind of panning the uh, the Find X for being like overly gimmicky. Like I was like, you really only need the front facing camera to come out. Like I think Vivo is doing the right thing, and and also because the Vivo had the fingerprint reader in the display, I was like, the Vivo is the better one. And and I, it sounds too gimmicky this Oppo thing. And now that I've played with the Find X, I get it. It it is. I mean, I kind of got it even this, even before I played with it by when I watch all these videos from people and talk to a lot of folks who had handled one and said, no, no, wait till you touch that thing. And now I totally, I totally know <laughs> what they mean. Like I want it so bad. You have no idea. And I'm not going to buy one because I could, but I, the software is right. so bad, so bad yeah. that there's no way I'm going to buy one until there's a European version or a, a non-China Asian version that will support places. Let me change the launcher, all that stuff. Because if I can do that, the hardware is absolutely, absolutely tops. It's so good. It's wow. Just wow. Yeah. I mean, it looks great. I think uh, I totally agree with you. I've, I've, you can't really use it if it's just got the like Chinese software on it because the Google Play services, it's sort of impossible. Uh, does does yeah. Michael Fisher actually use it or is he he's, he's just admiring No, it? he bought it for his channel. Yeah. Uh, he actually, you can sideload the Google Play services <laughs> and the Google Play store and he did. The problem is you can't change the launcher. Uh, it's yeah. locked into this launcher which has all this spyware in it. Like it's really yeah. scary. It's like you can't send text messages without first logging on to Oppo's servers. 
<laughs> wow, that's not sketchy. Welcome to China. Yep. <laughs> so it's uh, it's that kind of thing. So you know, um, you change the launcher, you can change all the rest of it, and everything is yep. peachy, right? right? So that's kind of why I would say, if you want an Oppo Find X, by all means, buy one, but wait for Euro or like Taiwan, India, whatever version to come out. And it's kind of funny, too, with the uh, sliding mechanism. It's, again, sort of a return to an older style of, of cell phone that I used to love. I know. Those LG I know. sliders. Finally, some form factors that are different again. Yeah. You know, like, we needed that so hard. And it's ironic because the phone from the front, when it's closed, looks like the ultimate final the, you know, the, the final solution, as it were, like, I know that's a terrible <laughs> use of words, but, but I'm just saying, like, it is, it is a full screen phone. That's what we've been aiming for and trying to go to, right? So maybe the so, slider is the solution for adding some maybe, more antennas there. Exactly. We need a sliding antenna, as we mentioned. Mm -hmm. Boom. Uh, so it's interesting. I, what I like about the, the Oppo Find X as well is that it's a big, big screen and a small chassis because of it, right? Yeah. It really, like, it is chassis-wise about the same as like a OnePlus 6 or, an, or uh, Pixel 2 XL. But imagine how much more screen you could get if all of that was screen. Right. You know? Right. And you, f you, can, you can feel that. Like, it, it's like, wow, my God, so much screen. And um, the camera is pretty decent. I used it during the ball game. We uh, Motorola took us to uh, Wrigley Park for a Cubs game, which was cool. And their private box, which was even cooler. Um, very good view from there. I took some photos with it. I posted one on my Instagram. If you look at it, you'll see the good dynamic range. The photo came out pretty good. So, yeah, wow. all, all, all in all, cannot complain about that phone other than the terrifically bad software. Um, and the Pixel 3 leaks we've seen show a an unnaturally large notch, like not in width, but in height. So it's really weird because that notch looks, you know, the point of a notch is that you want to keep it narrow in height because you right. want it to really only be about the size of the status bar. But this thing looks like two status bars. <laughs> I like, know, yeah. Boom. It's, it's pretty significant. Um, but I can't say that I'm really too bothered by it at this point. I think I've just got fatigue with this whole notch thing. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's just, this seems a little out of proportion. <laughs> and I think it makes the phone look frumpy a little bit, which is, I think, why a lot of people are like up in arms, like, I don't want an ugly pixel. <laughs> and then it has yeah. a lot of bezel at the bottom, too. Like, it looks like it has actually slightly more bezel than the present uh, Pixel 2 XL at the bottom. So, yeah, very weird. I mean, and if anybody, the, the Pixel fans would be the ones to get extremely frustrated frustrated by these uh, small design issues. So, yeah, I, I, but, you know, to me, it, it, again, I'm not a huge, like, I, I really appreciate a nice design, but I, I'm not, not going to not purchase a Pixel yeah, based I'm, on I'm that. Gonna, I'm obviously going to get a Pixel yeah. 3 XL. There's just no doubt about it. That'll be my main phone yeah. and I just have to live with it. What I think is interesting is that as frumpy as it might be, we're still going to get stereo speakers because that, that big earpiece is also a speaker. Um, and there's all this camera stuff happening in that, in that large-ish notch or tallish notch um, because, and this has got something to do related to the Oppo Find X, I th and I'm, this is I'm guessing, but 
for the Pixel, but I'm not guessing for the Oppo, is that I have a feeling that the Pixel 3 will have what the Oppo Find X has in the front camera system, which is a proper time of flight um, uh, depth sensing, uh, you know, projector array type sensor, what is basically known as Face ID on the iPhone 10. Right. Um, the Oppo is the first Android phone with a totally true depth sensing time of flight type sensor uh, that works in the dark and, and all that good stuff. And it's freaking fast. Um, and I think the Pixel 3, the reason we're seeing so many camera s- sensors there is that it's going to be the phone to bring basically Face ID to Android as part of Android Pie. Yeah, that would uh, that would be really wonderful. And if they can do it in a really snappy, fast way, that's perfect. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think that's why it's there. The the Find X is super snappy. It's about I would say it's indistinguishably fast. It's not slower, definitely not slower than iPhone ten, but potentially faster than the iPhone ten. Oh my gosh! So I wish I yeah, could play with am- it. And it's amazing because it's like you can be at certain different various distances, slightly off center. It works. It just works. Wow. Like, you know, yeah, you know, the one plus six is fast, but only if you have light, right? Yep. Like the the Honor 10 is fast, only if you have light. Speaking of the Honor 10, I just want to mention there'll be a link in my show notes. I I got a review unit finally, so I've been playing with it. It's basically a P20 non-pro for a lot cheaper. So if you are looking for a really great Huawei phone, this is one of them. That's, That's interesting. all I'm going to say. So it is, it does yeah. compare well to the P20. Yeah, huh. it's pretty much exactly a P20, but you add a headphone jack to it and you make it cheaper. And you lose a little bit in terms of hardware on the cameras. Like yeah. the camera hardware is a little less, but the AI features definitely make up for that. Wow. Because it's got the same AI software. Um, the thing it doesn't have, which is a real bummer, other than, of course, no Leica branding, but it does not have that insane night mode that auto-stabilizes and basically lets you have, like, long exposure tripod style that the P20, oh. P20 Pro have. Yeah, that's, that's the one AI feature they don't have in there, the AI stabilization. So, SOL for that. But everything else about it is lovely. The fingerprint reader is a little slow because it's an under glass fingerprint reader. It's not, it's part of the display, but not under the display. So it's below the display, physically yeah. not under the display, huh. but it's still uh, not a capacitive uh, sensor like what we're used to. It's an, uh, it's an optical sensor. So it's a little slower and uh, I have, I'm getting more false negatives on it than I'd like. So I think it depends on your finger and I'm going to re-enroll my finger to see if maybe it's a positional thing. Um, but it's definitely a little cranky around the, around the fingerprint scanning. And then the uh, headphone jack's nice, though. And uh, the rest is pretty much P20. Same, same display, essentially. Um, strangely, has 40 more pixels in vertical. <laughs> but that's, that's the thing that blows me away about Huawei, right? They have three phones with three notches. The Honor 10, the P20, P20 Pro. Each of them have a separate display. Yeah, that that's really like, wild. custom made. Like... <laughs> Right, the P20 Pro is AMOLED and much bigger in size. The P20 is IPS and smaller in size, and they're both the same kind of aspect ratio and notch design. The design on the notch on the P on the Honor 10 is slightly different than the P20, um, but it's so it's and it's got slightly different rounded corners, like more rounded corners than the P20, and it's got 20 more pixels in vertical. 
I mean, like they made a custom IPS <laughs> panel for the Honor 10. Like this company, how? They, how? It has I money. It has facilities. It it is insane what they do. Yeah, it's massive. I love them for it. <laughs> I love them for it. It's like that's why I like Huawei and Honor because they're they're just like they're they're like honey badgers. No f's given. Whatever, we'll make it do do its thing. Um, yeah. So uh, before we jump into um, Android P is for Pi, I also want to briefly mention that I have a Alcatel One X Android Go phone to review. I haven't played with it much yet, but I'm it's gonna. I'm hopefully gonna be able to share my Android Go experiences soon. Uh, have you played with an Android Go phone yet? I, I haven't yet, but the, that Asus Zenfone Live L1 actually looks yes, really... Yes, that was just announced. Yeah, right? it looks really intriguing to me. I know it's one gig of RAM. Um, well, that's what Android Go yeah. runs on. So Yeah, exactly. I mean, what can you, what can you ask for? But the beautiful 3000 milliampere battery... I really think that it will... And running with the, the 425 Snapdragon... Um, I really think it'll have a really nice long-lasting battery life. And I think it was the John Fingus that wrote that it could be a good travel device. And I, and I think that's really true. Like it could be a very nice low-key camping device or something like that. Yeah, and, I might get one to play with because I have a feeling that it's going to definitely be better than the Alcatel. Yeah. The Alcatel feels cheap, <laughs> four hundred dollars. Like it feels like a fifty dollar phone, not a hundred dollar phone. Yeah, uh, Alcatel. It doesn't even have a seven twenty p display. The Alcatel One X. I mean, and Alcatel Ouch. to me, the issue too is it's just not uh, stable. I look any of the phones that I've got from Alcatel. There's been major bricking issues, um, and then. Yeah, it's just, I find the build quality for Alcatel is just so bad. Yeah, they're not that great. Uh, the only ones that are decent are the Blackberries. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, true. GCL, I mean, that's parent company. They split in two, right? It's not Alcatel. Um, they are the same overlord, but not the same, <laughs> quite the same branch. Right. Um, yeah, so then Phone Live L1. I'll be, there'll be a link in the show notes. Check it out. Uh, and finally, I just want to briefly mention this because I want to give them some love. Uh, Blue Sound is a Canadian company that makes uh, basically like Sonos competitor. They make Bluetooth equipped, but also multi-room wireless Wi-Fi equipped speaker systems and components. Um, they're owned by uh, what's that group of companies that owns NAD and the the hi-fi stereo uh company and owns uh they also own a few other brands uh anyway they're part of that group and uh they sent me some devices they sent me uh two of their connected speakers essentially think of like sonos speakers uh and they sent me one of their like um stereo components which is actually cool because it's a cd ripper yeah so that's actually it, really cool and handy it, it rips CDs very quickly, a few minutes each, so at high speed, uh, and it does it to FLAC and to MP3 high, uh, high quality. You can set whatever bit rate you want in the app. It's all app controlled. And it's also a network player, so it'll play from, you know, stream from all kinds of sources. It doesn't have any amp in speakers um, in it, but you can connect it to a stereo system if you want. And in my case, I'm not even connected to anything. I've got it connected wirelessly to the blue sound speakers it came with. Um, as basically a stereo pair to play from. 
So it's very cool because then they're all, they're, they have this thing called BlueOS that runs on all the devices and runs on your phone as an app. And all of them talk wirelessly to one another and they can all be configured like Sonos can, but they support Bluetooth as well. I know. So you That's can be handy. in one room and that device knows that you're the closest device is Bluetooth and it connects to that instead. You know what I'm saying? It's very, very clever. Like there's certain advantages over Sonos with Blue Sound that I'm very impressed with. And I've been playing with that for a while. So I want to give them some love because, you know, they sent me this stuff. They took all the energy and effort to send it all my way. And I have to say, oh, oh PSB is the other company they, they do. Uh, PSB it, Speakers, Canadian is company. Is it Lenbrook Group? <laughs> That's right. It's Lenbrook. It, Thank okay. you. There it's Lenbrook. Yeah, yeah. Lenbrook Group owns a bunch of brands, NAD and PSP speakers. And Blue Sound is one of their newer brands. And it's all their networked um, wireless speaker systems. And they sent me those two Pulse Flex, the tiny little desktop sh uh, speakers. They're like the size of uh, of a Google Home, uh, the, the bigger Google Home, whatever it's called. Um, not the mini, not the... Not the Max. I don't know. Is there? Is it Max? No, it's smaller than the Max. It's like the size of a Sonos 3. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. There's two of them. And it sent me the Vault 2, which is a CD Ripper network player. It's very cool. Um, Sounds like a, a good anyway. valid competitor to Sonos. And I love that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I didn't good. know that even existed. It's like they, they're not, they weren't even on my radar until I met them and they said, hey, you want some devices? And I said, yes, of course, I love audio. And they sent me stuff. I didn't think they would send me stuff because all the way from Canada and everything. So there you go. Check out the video and my intro notes. I want to give them some love. Canadians are nice. so hospitable. Canadian. I know. Canada. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to lose so many people on the show just because they're going to be like, America. Anyway. Uh, let's talk about Android Pie, shall we? P is for Pie. Mm, turns out, who could have guessed? Are you disappointed? Would you would did you want something else? Honestly, I, it's strange, but I am kind of disappointed. Yeah, because I, I mean, it's just so plain. Like I wish it was pecan pie at least, or something like that. You know, but uh, it, it is boring, isn't it? Because even you can have it's some just savory be pie, pies. folks. <laughs> Oh, you're right. That's kind of nice, actually. Maybe that's uh, what they're moving towards, right? Because Q is the next one. So maybe they're not going to be able to keep up the strictly dessert situation. Because I think if people have been pointing out there's not really any good Q dessert out there. How do we do Q? You're right. <laughs> so quiche might be a good option, you know, when it comes down oh, to Oh, yeah. You're right. Quiche. There you go. Pie, quiche, we're there. That, that, that's got to be quiche. See, now we have to guess on Q already. Jesus. Yeah, Q is going to be really interesting. To, this is supposed to be about Android P rows, not about Android I Q. I know, I'm jumping ahead. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, so what's your take? I mean, it's out. I have actually checked my Pixel 2 XL, see if I got the update today. I haven't really looked yet. Um, that's how busy I've been. You're actually the second podcast I'm recording today, and I have a third because I'm going over to Petaluma to uh, do a show with Quick with Twit up there. Wow, a marathon! So I know today is like I hope I don't lose my voice. Is basically what it comes down to. Uh, let's try to force an update that never really works, but uh, <laughs> I don't see an update listed here. So pixels are getting it today. Yes. 
Um, well, starting today, and mine certainly didn't get it. <laughs> oh my God, I just got it. <laughs> Amazing. This is the first time I have checked on my phone and gotten a download and install. Boom. Live on air. Yep, live on air today. If you hear me grumble uh, on All About Android in about two or three hours live, or well, by the time you get this podcast, All About Android will be done with because I don't, this is not a live show, but Android and All About Android is. So here's the thing. If you listen to this podcast, go watch the All About Android show um, uh, from this week, from August 7th, Tuesday, August 7th, and you'll get my verdict of whether my phone has disintegrated after the update or not. <laughs> I've never had any issues with updates, but I always feel a bit, uh, what's the word? Trepidous? Trepidatious. Trepidatious, thank you. Me too. Uh, Wow, it's a 1.173 gigabyte update. Yipes. They're not messing around, those Google folks. They're really not. They want to replace all the software on my phone with their special Chinese software. (laughs) No, wait. That's Huawei. No, I'm so bad. <laughs> no, that's not true. You know, I, you know that if you listen to this podcast regularly, that you know that I don't believe for a minute that Huawei or ZTE have spyware in their phones that they sell yeah. in Western countries. I think it would be stupid for them to do that. And I don't think they do, especially since they do wonderful products. And of course, Google's not Chinese. Of course, Google's not going to have spyware. Maybe they have like American government. I mean, wear. who knows? You never know. <laughs> no, no. Now I'm just being tongue in cheek here and having a good time, folks. Don't take me seriously, okay? I don't want like, starting to have like a, like a troll, troll land coming after me because I'm making fun of uh, that stuff. You're not the Edward so Snowden you, right now. No, not doing the not. Edward Did Snowden you, thing. Uh, no. Did you did you play with P pre-release? Or yes. have you have you been yeah. waiting to be surprised and delighted? Yeah, I've been on the beta program and you know, I I've got used to it by now. I guess the hardest thing to get used to was the navigation gestures. Um and even that was, Oh, you went with that. Yeah. See, I tried it for one minute and I was like, Nope. Oh, I hashtag hated it. nope. I, at first I hated it. <laughs> and now you like it? I'm used to it now and I can see how it's gonna a bit more fluid than not having that. So, so you're staying with it. Oh, I am staying. I'm staying with it. Um I think it I, to me it now makes sense. Um I just had to take a while to get used to it. And Right. Yeah, no, it it cuts down a little on steps and it's it's more it's easier to do. But um so that was the hardest thing to get used to. I do like it now. Otherwise, uh, there wasn't too much that was super different. Now I'm thinking, well, okay, the design was very different, but of course I'm used to it now, but it was very rounded. Everything's circular, rounded off. Um, And there's the app actions, the little slices that instruct, okay, this is what you might want to do now based on what you've done in the past. And I think AI is a really big part of, of of Android Pie in general. So I have been enjoying that. I think if you can work AI into the phone in a way that really is seamless and unobtrusive, then why not? And if you're a company like Google and you have that ability and and Google has, you know, some of the best AI on mobile, if not the best AI on mobile. So it's, it's perfect. Right. So, uh, so that's all been really nice. And then we did notice that the digital well-being aspect has not come out yet that's they're waiting for the fall but there's a beta where you can use digital well-being 
Interesting. Yeah. yeah I'm just going to use the whatever um, is pumped to my phone. I have actually been waiting to play with Android oh, P. Oh, cool. Rose. Uh, because, I mean, I played with it briefly at I.O. And honestly, the gestures weren't as smooth. It didn't feel as smooth to me as what I was used to on an iPhone or even on a OnePlus. So I'm hoping that I'll try them out for a bit. I'm hoping that's improved. If it's improved, I might stick with it. Um, I do think that ultimately gestures are way, the way to go. But I feel like it wasn't implemented right when I tried it at I.O. Yeah. It wasn't quite as seamless as the way they did it on iPhone X. Um, there were some redundancies. I'm trying to remember exactly what my issues were at first. What were your issues? Uh, lagginess yeah. in, the, in the user experience with the gestures and also the fact that I had to swipe way too high yeah. to get to the, what, the recent apps or whatever Yeah, compared to an iPhone. Yeah. That, uh, that double swiping was a big issue for me at first i got so st oh, i yeah. stumbled on it you know i was like okay swipe up i thought i was just gonna swipe up the app drawer i love swiping up the app drawer but then you know you have to do the double swipe or the longer swipe or the harder swipe and that really was frustrating at the beginning i thought was i think that was the main stumbling block for me to eventually get used to it yeah i think that was what seemed weird to me was that i didn't you know double swiping definitely i can see that being easier than trying to do the half swipe or whatever but the way i was trying to use it was half swiping and i felt that it should be like a third swipe for the android for the you know for the the apps and then a full swipe but the the full swipe should only cover like a quarter of the screen yeah. so the third of a quarter is a very short swipe to get to the app tray you know yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of what I want them to do. And I don't know if that's what they've done. So we'll figure it out. We'll see how it goes. But um, you're right. It might just be easier to double swipe and then yeah. get into the recent apps that way. That's what I ended up doing. Uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I, I, do know, I do know that I love the way iPhone implemented things. It's very smooth. Very well done. I know. So yeah. it's going to be hard to beat that. There was a, I remember there was a lot of frustration from people at the beginning too, just being like, you can't just piggyback on what the iPhone has, but not do it quite as well or do it sort of half-assed. Um, but I, I think that was probably overstated <laughs> looking back at it. I think it, it yeah. just makes sense and it's not exactly that much of a piggyback maneuver. And it also makes sense for Android to give you more options rather than, you know, where Apple doesn't give you as many options in terms of how to customize your experience. So. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think the other problem is that, you know, once somebody's does done it once, like, and done it well, like I, Apple with the iPhone in this case, you, you get into that risk of like, you know, oh, it doesn't feel the same as the other people, right? And you get compared and it's tough when you get compared, especially when you get compared with Apple. So I think it's a little unfair to criticize because maybe we want a slightly different gesture system for Android after all, right? Like it doesn't have to be like the iPhone. Yeah. Um, my, my only gripe was it, that it seemed laggy. Like that is, it doesn't matter if I have to, a slight different experience in how it operates, like the double swipe, than, than what I'm used to, but it, it needs to be smooth and feel reactive, right? Absolutely. 
So that's hopefully what they fixed. And I think the other thing is, you know, who is like us using all these different phones and switching between them all the time, right? <laughs> Come on. Like, like, that's also why we were cranky. We're like, well, we have an iPhone. We all have an iPhone 10. We've all used it and we, we don't feel it's the same. Yeah. Who's in that, who's in that position other than somebody switching from an iPhone 10 to an Android phone? Yeah. Who's going to switch from an iPhone 10 to a Pixel? Not many people. That's for sure. Exactly. I mean, I'm not saying that as a as a slight. Mm. I mean, I love my Pixel, and I do like my iPhone 10. But I don't ever see a person with an iPhone 10 switching to uh, an Android phone. The iPhone 10 is a phenomenal phone. Yeah. There's if you're gonna switch from an iPhone, it's gonna be from an, an older iPhone. Yeah. To an to an Android phone. Yeah, exactly. And if you're gonna and then you're gonna use the buttons. You're not gonna use the slide yeah. because you're not used to that anyway. Yeah. Totally. So I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? No, I think you're right. I mean, people are just excited to get, like the, the Android users are just excited to get it and see what this new option is. And it is an upgrade for them. And uh, and there's Definitely, a lot to yeah. love about it. So, no, there's actually, I think it's, it, there's a lot to be excited about. Um, I'm personally, you know, I think everything, all the, the new features make a lot of sense. And I love the building in of the AI elements too with them. I think it's adaptive battery and adaptive screen um, using AI to figure out how you uh, how you use apps and then customizing battery based on that, that sort of thing. But I, I definitely think, um, yeah, I, I don't care too much about digital well-being, as you could probably have told from my <laughs> tone of voice. But I just think yes, it's a Rose. bit I just think it's a bit hypocritical, though, don't you think? I absolutely agree with you. Even Apple doing it is like, come on, like you, you know, uh, <laughs> it, uh, actually I thought the way that Google presented it, IO was very like, like it almost felt like a watch, a reading an onion article. I know it did. You know, <laughs> like, uh, do we really want to take you seriously right now? You're just joking. What, what's going on here? Seriously? Like, come on. So to give them like the benefit of the doubt and actually look at it, their whole idea is give you more information about how you're using your phone and um, to work with you on that. And I think that, you know, could help in a sense of like scared straight, maybe where you look at it and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't look, looking at all this breakdowns of how I use my phone. I can't believe I use it that much. But um, so that could maybe be semi-useful. And then there's a couple of other features that make it easier to, to turn on do not disturb or that kind of stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, it's one of those things. It's a bit like, you know, having if because I believe digital addiction is real and it is serious. Oh, absolutely. So, it's totally. Yeah. So, you know, if you were actually going to address it, there would be there'd have to be a lot of different things done. Not just, you know, it's kind of like having a bit like having a cigarette company do like, you know, some sort of lung health instruction campaign like you do. have to. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be Google who helps you with this. I mean, I like the fact that it gives you tools to keep track because then you can prove to your spouse, partner, kid, whatever. Hey, look, you spent, this is how much time you spent on Facebook this week. That's true. It's a good tool for like confronting. That's, I keep telling you, you spend too much time on Facebook. So like, here's numbers. <laughs> that I think is useful. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to shame people. I want to make it clear. But I, sometimes, you, you know, as humans, we tend to underestimate 
how much time we spend doing something. And it's easy to kind of like talk ourselves out of like believing that we have a problem because yeah. sometimes we do and we just need validation that, look, this is factual. This is what's going on. Yeah. And and that I think in that sense, it helps. But I think that I, think you're right. you're, I find it, I do find it hypocritical. And I do, just because it's a little bit hypocritical of Google to do this, it doesn't mean that it needs, can't be, shouldn't be done and doesn't need to be done. And That's it doesn't true. mean that addiction it, is like digital addiction is real. So yeah. I'm a hundred percent behind you on all that. And uh, yeah, I think I'm looking forward to it. Like it's uh, just on a quick update here. It looks like it's about 80% downloaded. So <laughs> by the time we end the show, which we should probably wrap up now, I might be able to see the beginning of the install of this. Uh, I'll, keep, I'll keep you guys posted on the next show. Rose, it was really awesome to have you on. Thank you so much. Again, for the second time. I'm so happy uh, to be a returning uh, podcast guest. Yes, you what are. What an honor. I'm glad to have you. And this was a really good discussion on 5G too. Thanks for your input on all that. Very awesome. Very, uh, very thoughtful. Um, do you want to tell people where they can find you on the internet? Yes. So you can find me at Rose Bahar on Twitter. And that's probably the best uh, place to look out for where I'll be writing next. If you... Uh, did follow me or if you want to follow me in the future. Absolutely. And then there's a whole fantastic library of great stories written oh. by Rose on Mobile Syrup. Absolutely. Go check that out. Um, and you know where to find me. I'm Tankerl on Twitter. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. Tankerl, like the comic book character without the vowels. Also on Instagram, same handle. You'll find me on Facebook and YouTube under my name, Miriam Joire. Uh, Miriam with a Y, uh, J-O-I-R-E. Uh, YouTube channel is a supplement to my podcast. It adds some hands-on, some reviews, some... Lots of unboxings, actually, and things like that uh, um, on the topics and products that I'm currently playing with. So if you want some visuals to go along with this audio podcast, th that's the place to go, youtube.com slash Miriam um, And of course, mobiletechpodcast.com is where you can find the podcasts. If you're listening for the first time, maybe online with a little flash player and you want to subscribe, you can do that uh, by going to that link or you can go to... Uh, 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 Apple Podcasts, which is iTunes. You can go to Google Podcasts. You can go to Pocket Casts. You can go to uh, Overcast, to Slacker, to Stitcher, to TuneIn Radio even. And just search for Mobile Tech Podcast and my handle, Tank Girl. Tank Girl without the vowels. And you'll find me. And subscribe and enjoy. And subscribe to the YouTube channel. Or like the videos. We can use all the help we can get. Speaking of help... Uh, it will really help if you're not an Audible customer that you click on the link in the show notes below to subscribe to Audible and become an Audible customer because that'll help the podcast. And so if you're not and you like listening to books or just like books in general, it's a really great way to enjoy books, to listen to them instead of reading them, maybe because you're driving or your eyes get tired after a long day and you can't really focus on a piece of paper or an e-ink display or a, or a computer display. And or you are on an airplane for a long time and you want to have your eyes closed and go to sleep listening to the soothing voice of, I don't know, what, what would be a good soothing voice to listen to? Um, I'm thinking, I don't know, Sean Connery? I don't know why that came there to you mind. Go. <laughs> I don't know, but let's go, let's roll with that. You want to listen to Sean Connery reading a book. I am a James with Bond With a potato fan. in his mouth like this, <laughs> yes. Um, and then you can, I don't think, I don't think Audible has Sean Connery reading anything, but I could be wrong. And that's exactly why you should go to audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. 
That's the link in the show notes, audibletrial.com slash mobile tech and subscribe to Audible so that you can support the show. So that's it. Thanks so much again, Rose, for being on. Really appreciate it. Thanks again for having me. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back next week with another show, folks. Cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.